What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3 FN Podcast. As always, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. Of course, this week, we're going to be talking about the brand new summer blockbuster. Oh, technically, it is the sequel to the greatest summer blockbuster of all time. That's right. Meg 2 The Trench is coming up in this week's 3FN Movie Club review. But before we can get there, I am your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. Let's start it off with a man who just this past weekend went to Detroit to go to SummerSlam, but somehow left, now calling himself a pimp named Slickback. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ron. Got to keep your pimp hands strong, baby. That's right. Don Magic Wand taught you all you needed to know, sir. I got money being made out there and it's getting sent to me now. That's right. And of course, the man uh, to my left, the other nerd, he does not need an introduction yet. He has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, it's hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster he's the man the myth and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger bearded feller ladies and gentlemen i present to you diesel how's my chums doing <laughs> there you go Third, you're chumming the waters uh, that was exactly what ron was doing in detroit ironically <laughs> enough <laughs> uh, he was looking for something and he found it but you know hopefully all in the right places instead of the wrong places hi oh the rearrangeable <laughs> of course you know if you ever get in trouble you could just uh, ship somebody right across the uh the lake there to uh toronto yes <laughs> all right well ron speaking of it you're you're gonna get the floor first you know we like to start off by talking about how our week went uh how was your week and your trip to detroit no uh, week was fine you know uh Rody, josh and i went to detroit for SummerSlam. the ride up was actually surprisingly easy on no real major issues just eight hours um we got in detroit a little after three three thirty ish or so uh we found the airbnb was actually a nice building it was a glorified hotel basically just with a bunch of rooms that they just use for airbnbs because it's a company because there was an we found the other one on the other side of the town when we were walking around like you said, walk around uh, Friday night to see where the venue is and where everything was. And we ended up at Buffalo Wild Wings for food. And, you know, it's one of those things. <laughs> Diesel's like, no, 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 no. Diesel is not a fan of the B-dubs. Yeah. So, you're two time zones away and you go to a B-dubs? What the fuck's wrong with you? I mean, to be fair, to be fair, the plain devil's advocate, I'm actually with you on this because I would, you know, try to find something else. But to be fair, we do not have a B-dubs here in the, in our local Binghamton area. So it, he did follow the rule of eating at some place we don't have. So it, we have to give it the credit there. It was because we didn't really know what was around and we just were hungry. We didn't really want to look because it was like 4 or 15 we went in. I'm going to assume you had great customer service. That's all right. Did they? Mm. Did you order sour cream with your stuff, and did they not bring it to the table? <laughs> no, I ordered blue cheese, and they didn't bring it with the wings. Oh, <laughs> color me shocked. Yeah. No. Well, we had an incident once where they didn't bring sour cream to the table, and a member of the table who will remain nameless, me and Diesel, had to clear the silverware. I'm just going to throw it out there, and we're, not, we're going to leave it at that. That was uh, the B Dubs experience from a while ago. I've been back since, yeah. but continue on, Ron. So, sorry. Uh, then we, you know, we made the trek around uh, down to Ford's Field, make sure we knew where we were going. Obviously, we got a couple pictures there. 
we uh, walked by the Tiger Stadium to see, you know, what was going on there. Obviously, there was a Tigers game. We almost went, but we decided not to because we just didn't want to sit in the heat and yeah. stuff. And we're, Josh and I aren't really big baseball fans, so it doesn't – I, I get it. It was something to do, but we were tired from traveling, so we went back. So Saturday, uh, you know, we had one little issue. There was only one bed, and, you know, so I had to sleep on the floor. So Saturday, we woke up a little – Sure you did. <laughs> you woke up sore, but not from the floor. Oh, it was from the floor. Uh, Julie, his wife specifically said we couldn't cuddle anymore. Oh. <laughs> So, um, what we, happens in Detroit stays in Detroit. <laughs> so Saturday we woke up, we found a diner after, you know, a nice little local diner and it was actually delicious. Food was out and like, there was maybe eight tables in the whole place. Um, like, I mean, there was more tables, but eight tables filled yeah. food was out in 10 minutes. Like it was great diner food. Eight got one back to the room, got ready for the day. Uh, Josh made a couple trucks around to get the casino, you know, so then we went to SummerSlam, and we like it was funny because we're like, we don't know how long it's going to take to get in this place, so we're going to go early. We went early. We were in five minutes. Nice. We just happened to walk by this line. We're like, oh, line starts here. And we're just like, nah, we ain't, we ain't going to that line. We kept walking New York style all the way down and around, and the guy's like, yep, we're just opening up this one. Here you go. <laughs> walked right in. We got walked through, and it was a great crowd, great energy through the whole show. We were, you know, we were talking to people like three rows ahead of us, three rows behind us. Like everybody was, you know, even people cheering for whoever didn't matter. We were all just having a good old time, you know, got out of there a little after 12, made it back. You know, the truck back was a little bit uh, long because of just the crowds and the cars and stuff trying to get back. So made it back about quarter to one in the morning and crashed and just got up and left the next day. I said the show didn't even end until a little after midnight. So it's about it's about right. Uh, Diesel, yeah. I'm sure that uh, you did not have an exciting weekend in Detroit that we know of, but uh, how was your week? I had a fine week. Worked all weekend. Got to have an impromptu trip to the wonderful Broome County Speedy Fest and Balloon Rally. Oh, man. So basically it was kind of like your own SummerSlam yeah. here in your backyard. I mean, if you wanted wrestling action, uh, our friends over at Excite Wrestling were having a show. And uh, yep. I believe Matt Cardona was on that show. Yeah, well, we, we got there a little too late for any of that. Uh, we were, we got there a little after 7 o'clock after we closed on the shop. Had some really bad overpriced food. Got to, well, you know, sort of like like how you were talking like earlier today about, like, you could just watch the baseball game from just being outside it. You know, you can listen to the second-rate guy who came in second on American Idol. You, you can hear that right there. You don't have to get the extra ticket to go inside. <laughs> I will say, as far as the local things, at least... <laughs> the, the, the funny part about it is at least there, it's a little harder to hear if you're outside of the venue area. If you, Well, if you're inside the Speedy yeah. Fest, it is, but if you're outside the gate, it's always weird to me because I work up in Whitney Point, which is outside of Binghamton. And uh, every year they do a concert series at the Broome County Fairgrounds, which is just basically a dirt pile. Yeah. Let's just be honest. And it's funny because there's just a fence there. And literally, so why would you buy tickets when you could sit in the Arby's parking lot and listen to the whole concert and have food and stuff and you don't have to pay? Yeah. yeah, I've always wondered how why this is a thing there, but yeah, you know, hey, at least kudos for the Speedy Fest and not having people sitting in an Arby's parking lot. Listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, it did not realize that the Speedy Fest got turned into a glorified flea market. That was highly depressing. Yeah, and highly overpriced, so you couldn't even scam people out of good prices. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there was no no place I wanted to stop at for buy, making any purchases. Let me guess, there was people selling knives, swords. <laughs> 
Probably. I didn't see them. But because you know, that's always yeah. at a flea market. Ninja Stars? Um, you know, like those little kiosks at the the mall when the mall was so popping where it was just these random toys that they'd have on display. And they had those things going and it was just like, it was it was bad. Um, ha- made the mistake of trying a crab cake sandwich <laughs> in landlocked Binghamton. <laughs> It contained neither crab nor cake. Well, it, it contained not seafood crab, but it could have had a different crab in it, yes. It probably had locally sourced Susquehanna fish. So if I start glowing, you know why. Overall, not the best experience. Yeah, you would, you would not recommend on Yelp, huh? No. Uh, my week was a lot, uh, I guess, a lot better than that because I knew better than go to Speedy Fest, although it messed up me driving in traffic. Uh, I was going over to Ken's to watch SummerSlam, and I had to remember I have to go the back way because if I went the regular way, I would drive to his, to his place. Yeah. 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 That sucked. I had no intentions of going to, to that. It got sprung upon me, and I was like, all right, I'm a gamer. Let's go. Yeah, see, see. <laughs> Uh, there's certain things where I'm like, nah, I know what I'm getting into. So you guys have fun. I'll see you later. Because uh, I, I, my wife even was like, hey, you want to go check out Speed Fest? I'm no. like, do you really want to go to Speed Fest? She goes, no. And I'm like, exactly. Yeah. You know, it was kind of one of those situations. Uh, Jedi Mind Trick. Instead, what we did on Saturday is we went up to uh, Greens Lake, which is in outside of Lafayette, New York, up by Syracuse, New York. And it's this beautiful, gorgeous lake that was cut out by glaciers. has no inlets and outlets. The only way it uh, stays with water is because of groundwater and rain. But it's got a depth of, a, at some point in the, the lake, there's a depth of 195 feet. So it's a deep lake. It's beautiful. It's got this turquoise color to it. And it has freshwater coral that grows on the outside of it, which I didn't even know was a thing until I went up there, but it was gorgeous. It's like a two-mile walk around the lake. I enjoyed that walk with my wife. I'd definitely be going back up there again. Uh, as a state park, it was like 10 bucks to park. You know, yeah. I don't care about that. It was it was nice. And they, they had a lot of nice stuff. They have a swimming area, obviously. That's not in the deep part. That's like, I, I, I almost think that the swimming area was kind of man-made on the side Yeah, because there's a lot of like sand and stuff that they, the, the sand yeah. has definitely been put there, but I think they kind of cut a little bit out because they don't want you swimming in the pristine part. Yeah. And A, it's 195 feet deep at points. And because of how it was dug out, there is no like, you know how like most lakes decline in? This lake is pretty much straight drop because it yeah. was just gorged out. So like, yeah, it's probably unsafe. I mean, there's people on boats with life jackets out there. You can go rent boats and take them out around the actual big lake. But like, it's probably unsafe to like have people swimming in because if you if you uh, go under, you're done. <laughs> you know, divers are going to have to come get you. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It was beautiful. Uh, of course, watch SummerSlam, like I said, with Ken. We uh, recorded 607TWS for all you fans of uh, pro wrestling. Go check that out. Anywhere you get great podcasts by searching 607TWS. And also, uh, lastly, you know, I, I went to see, uh, I obviously went on Thursday with you gentlemen to go see Meg 2 The Trench, which is, of course, the 3FM Movie Club review this week. But then on Sunday, I went to see the new uh, TMNT uh, movie, of course, Mutant Mayhem, and uh, that's fun. And uh, we're going to be doing a, a little review ski for that for our good friends over on Patreon. Uh, of course, I hope everybody else had a great week. I hope you have a great week this week as well. But before we can dive into the fun parts of the show where we get to talk about the 3FN Movie Club review and, of course, Diesel's Movie Triple Stuff, we got to hit you with a little bit of business, and that means some shameless opening plugs. That means if you would like to find out anything about the 3FN podcast, it's simple. Visit 
3fnpodcast.com. That's right. It's your one-stop shop for everything 3FN. Uh, when you're there, you can find out our social media links. You can find out our links to Tee Public, which is a, there's a sale going on this week. So go check out our Tee Public and maybe buy some nerd swag over there. On top of that, you can find our Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3fnpodcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content and help support the show. And you just heard me. Patreon exclusive going up this week. TMNT Mutant Mayhem review will be up there on Patreon as well as our exclusive that we did for Oppenheimer. And then there's a bunch of other great things like the Patreon exclusive show, 3FN Rewind, the other Patreon exclusive show, the 3FN Horror Show. And uh, we got so much more going up there. So check it out. Great value and you help support everything we do. Also, while you're at 3FNPodcast.com, check out the links to the 3FN Podcast to 607TWS, the wrestling show where once a week me and Ken M from the ODPH talk all things pro wrestling. And of course, while you're there, check out the friends of the show, which includes the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast, the the show that Ken M hosts. Go check that out. Great guys. There are 607 podcast brothers, so we always love to support them. Also, while you're there and speaking of support, check out the musical directory. That's where the bands that allow us to use their music so we don't get hit with any of those dreaded DMCAs. And of course, big shout outs to Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song you hear at the beginning of every episode of the 3FN podcast. Go check them out and the other bands and make sure you support them on YouTube Music, Spotify, and Bandcamp. And last but not least, there's the sponsorship section. Places like Rex to Rides Auto Detailing, Dubby Energy Drinks, of course, are one of our main sponsors and the people who provide us with the 8122 Production Studios, Dragon Master Games, for all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. But last but not least, our main sponsor, because it's coming around the corner, Sci-Fi Horror Fest, going down August 25th and 26th in Vernon, New York, at the Vernon Downs Casino. For all information about guests and everything else going down, hit them up at their website, scifihorrorfest.com. And of course, if you forget any of that great information, just remember to go to 3fnpodcast.com. Yeah. Good times over here at the 3FN Podcast. Good times over at 3fnpodcast.com. And then you definitely want to check out Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Felissa Rose is going to be there. Dave Sheridan, Ken Foray, Lorenzo Lamas, which Diesel is super pumped to meet. And a ton of vendors, everything else. There's other celebrities and guests coming. So make sure you check that out, scifihorrorfest.com, because that's coming up on us very close. As a matter of fact, I think we're going to do a giveaway here on the 3FN Podcast. So stay tuned next week, because we'll be giving away some passes to Sci-Fi Horror Fest. And of course, if you're on Patreon, we've already offered passes to them as well. So there you go. Well, now that we've taken care of all the awesome business, it is now finally time to dive in and get this party started right. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. Coming in at number five on the box office for its second week, Haunted Mansion with $9 million. Man, this is underperforming like a <laughs> mofo. I mean, it was bad timing to put this out, but man, is it underperforming. It's just getting slayed in the box office. Debuting at number four, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem with $28 million. If they would have had a regular release, they probably would have been two or three. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's true. But I'll, I'll give, well, they had that extra day, technically. Yeah. But I, I'm going to say 
I, I enjoyed it. It's a good movie. Th- I'll give you the recommendation. Thumbs up. I will say that. Ron, your recommendation, yep. spoiler free. Thumbs, yep. up. thumbs up. Like I said, we'll, we'll give you that. I will, I'm just going to say that uh, I'm surprised it didn't do better. I mean, 30 million, or technically it was closer to 40 million after yeah, the ending with, yeah, with the Wednesday. But I'm surprised it just didn't. I, I was really going to think that it should have been the thing that was at the number two slot. Go ahead and continue. Yep. Coming in at number three, though, for its third week on the list, Oppenheimer with $29 million. Uh, still making money. Still out there. It's a great movie. Go see it. If you want to check out our review, go back in the archives. Oh, sorry. If you're on Patreon, you can check that out. Oh, sorry. I really wasn't rubbing that in. I forgot that we did that for Patreon just that quickly. Taking a bite out of number two, Meg 2, The Trench with $30 million. Dude, I was shocked that this was number two. Because I was like, TMNT's coming out. <laughs> I, I was, though. And because, like, honestly, I, I was... Thirty million was where I thought it would be, but I just thought that the, and TMNT did make more money if you count Wednesday with forty three million. But at the same point, juncture, I just thought that TMNT would be the dominant number two and maybe even push put a little pressure on number one. But of course, number one for the third week in a row, Diesel is Barbie pulling in another fifty three million dollars domestic. And by the way, congratulations to Greta Gerwig and the and, and everybody over at Barbie as it has now surpassed one billion dollars in the global box office. So Barbie is a billion dollar franchise, <laughs> joining only in twenty twenty three the Super Mario Brothers movie in making a billion dollars. Uh, it's going to, it's actually going to defeat the Super Mario Brothers movie. I think it already has, but it's uh, if not, it will defeat it this upcoming week. But still, that's amazing that uh, in the year 2023, there's only two movies that are over a billion. It was Super Mario and now Barbie, which is going to be barring something coming out, which uh, one of the movies coming out that I thought would dethrone it as far as like overall sales, not like, you know, in the box office to start off is now pushed back till next year. So I don't think there's going to be many challengers. I think that that's going to end up being the highest grossing movie of 2023. And congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, it's a Barbie world. And Diesel's definitely living in his Barbie dream house. Uh, Barbie, speaking of Barbie, get another shrimp on the Barbie. What's coming out in the box office in the upcoming weeks? All right. Coming out this week on August 11th, we have the movie Jules. Then The Last Voyage of the Demeter. And as a reminder, The Last Voyage of the Demeter will be the 3FN Movie Club review next week for all of you. And then coming out next week on August 18th, we have the what looks to be a fun movie, Strays. And then the big one, Blue Beetle. And just so you know, that week, the week that it comes out, Blue Beetle will be the 3FM Movie Club review. But don't you fret, you friend, fans of Strays. Strays will be the 3FM Movie Club review the following week uh, because it makes it easier because then we can record because we have a lot to do with Sci-Fi Horror Fest coming up that weekend. So it makes it actually easier and then we can do both of them. So pretty awesome. And we're looking forward to both of those movies as well. As a matter of fact, I was looking forward to every movie we saw in August. Yeah. So good month for being in the theaters. With that said, Diesel, I believe the only thing left now is to hit him with the signature move. What is this week's top three? The top three worst sequels of all time. The top three worst sequels of all time. I'm going to give all of ours, and I know at least we have one uh, sent in to us by uh, a good, our good buddy, the super fan, Sean. I'll read that at the end. Uh, so first of all, let's go with my top three. And I decided, listen, the first thing I'm going to point out is when I did my top three, I know there's worse movies than these. But I did not go after like the movies that like the easy ones, like uh, you know, Troll Two is a lot of people say. Yeah. But think technically, Troll wasn't that great of a movie to begin with, and Troll Two is a terrible movie. But it's almost become a great movie because of how terrible it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, we'll have to cover that sometime just because. Uh, but I didn't count anything like that, or like you know, movies that were purposely kind of bad, like Llamageddon. For those of you who didn't see that, it was a fina- it was a fucking it was hilarious. But 
I just went with like major motion pictures that really just destroyed franchises, etc. In uh, my number three spot, The Godfather Part Three. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You know, who would have thought that incest would have taken everybody out of the Great Godfather trilogy? I mean, it was the best part of that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, at the number two slot, Highlander Two: The Quickening. Can anybody really tell me what Highlander Two is about? Because uh, if you know the backstory to it, they kind of shot it weirdly. There was a whole bunch of problems, and yeah. And by the way, it was always weird to me that Sean Connery, the Spaniard, with his Scottish accent. I've never understood that. Yeah. It's, it, I've never just, I yeah, just don't just, get it. It was there. <laughs> and then last but not least, and this is probably uh, a little biased because I had to just watch this movie uh, when we did Shark Month over on Patreon for, for uh, the month of July. Jaws 3, a.k.a. Jaws 3D. Yes, I know Jaws the Revenge isn't good either, but trust me, after rewatching watching both of those movies, Jaws 3 is worse than Jaws the Revenge. I will die on that pedestal, and it's my number one worst sequel ever. Go ahead, Ronald. All right, so number three is, I still know what you did last summer. Can't, yeah, can't, that's can't. not a great movie. <laughs> get, will Benson? Get it? Will Benson? Yeah, it was so bad. Uh, number two, Son of the Mask. Ooh, Jamie Kennedy's <laughs> taking a beat in there. Mm-hmm. And then my number one is your number two, Highlander 2, The Quickening. Ooh. Because that movie's just bad. It's like the concept of Highlander was a movie student uh, thesis, mm-hmm. and that's how it got made. Because they bought it for like 400, 500 bucks, and that's how that movie got made. And, you know, the guy got knocked out of it. Also, he has no money from it because he's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll sell it to you for four, 400. Yeah. I think it was 400 bucks. And then, they, then of course, the studio's like, well, let's make a part two. Let's give a history to why these guys are immortal. Oh, they're aliens from another planet. And they have to fight on Earth because that's their punishment. Sounds like a movie I want to see. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it got it, real bad. Yeah, and <laughs> real then, bad. And then every other Highlander took care of that. It said, no, that doesn't exist. They, they retconned Highlander <laughs> 2 completely out pretty much. All right, Diesel, that leaves you. What's your top three? All right, we're coming in with number three, Speed 2. Ooh. Cruise Control. Dude, that's a rough watch. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. The original Speed, it has its flaws, but it was still an entertaining movie. Uh, We're going to go for number two, The Next Karate Kid. Ooh. It was a continuation. I get it. I understand. And it should not have been made. Yeah, no. No. You're right. No. No, Shouldn't have been made. And then my number one, because I actually did enjoy this Adam Sandler movie, and then the sequel was dog shit. Grown Ups 2. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. the the sequel was really dog shit. I'll give you that. All right, so Superfan Sean did write in. And by the way, uh, we're starting a new thing. I don't know if I mentioned last week on this show proper. Check our social medias because over the weekend, we're going to try to start posting, or shouldn't say try, we are going to start posting what the top three is. And if you guys want to go ahead and chime in with your top three of whatever our list is, we'll share them on the air. We are going to share one of them now, and it's from our good friend Superfan Sean. And Superfan Sean, the only thing he did follow was he had to go with four so he's been listening to the show long enough to know that we can't help ourselves and usually have an honorable mention (laughs) and he didn't put these in any particular order so i'm just going to read them in the order of how they're written so he's got blair witch 2 oh that was a rough one that was a rough one uh hot tub time machine 2 that's also a rough one have been made he agreed with you with Speed 2. Yeah, Speed yeah. 2 is a rough one. <laughs> and uh, Independence Day Resurgence, so the the new Independence Day movie. My only defense against that one, 
I never saw it. <laughs> yeah, that is only my only defense. That's why I didn't put Joe Dirt 2 on there, because I know a lot of people add that to the list, and I'm like, I was told after somebody that I trust went to see Joe, saw Joe Dirt Dirt 2 on Crackle, I think it was on Crackle, if I remember yeah, probably, correctly, yeah. one of those companies, and he was like, listen, if you love the movie Joe Dirt like I do, do not watch that movie because it's going to ruin the first one. And I just went, yeah, note taken, yeah. never watched it. Yeah. Never watched it. So that's why it's not on my list. I only put things on the list that I've seen. And unfortunately, I've seen The Godfather Part 3 like five times in my life. And I that's five. That's f- actually five times too many. Right. Yeah, honestly. I was going to put Van Wilder 2, The Rise of Taj on the list, but I knew Ron would have killed me. No. No, because he doesn't. Ryan Reynolds isn't in that one. You're it, fine. I, I don't mind that movie, but it's not good. So if you would have like, said Van Wilder. Whew. Well, not, I would have had to break up a fight. Like that's all you'd hear is the mics being <laughs> Van Wilder freshman year. Just just friends part two. <laughs> oh, he he stays in the fat suit. Hey, <laughs> more power well, to him. I was gonna say that's Rod's dream because he can't get away from him. <laughs> uh, with that, that is going to end Diesel's movie triple stuff. When we end Diesel movie triple stuff, you know we like to jump right on into. Welcome to Three Fans Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, gift certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. That's right, it is now time for this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. And as I mentioned in the open, this week we will be reviewing the movie that is the sequel to the greatest summer blockbuster of all time. You know, I, I, every time I have, I can't keep the character. But of course, we went to see Meg 2, colon, The Trench. And we're going to give you the full review for that. Uh, but we'll give you some of the ground rules first here at the 3FN Movie Club for anybody who may be, have forgotten or for any new listeners. And if it's your first time here at the 3FN uh, podcast, thank you for tuning in and giving us a uh, chance. And uh, we hope you're entertained and we hope you like what you hear. But here's how it's going to work. So for newer movies, we break it into two parts, a spoiler-free part and a spoiler-full part. So first up, right now, we're not going to spoil the movie for you because we're going to jump right in and we're going to have Diesel give his spoiler-free synopsis of Meg 2, The Electric Boogaloo, or The Electric Barracuda Lou, mm. or actually it's just The Trench, but they should have done something like The Electric Eel. Something. something. The electric eel slide. <laughs> yeah, something, something. But anyways, a missed opportunity. But anyways, he's going to give a synopsis for that. It's going to be spoiler-free. Then we're going to give the stats of the film, including who made the film, what who starred in the movie, and of course, finally, we're going to give our thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down, rec- spoiler-free recommendation for Meg 2. Then we're going to take a break. You're going to hear a little thing from one of our good podcast friends before we kick on over to the second half where we will give our spoiler full review. Before we do that, we'll give you one final warning even. And then we're going to give uh, play the game so we can find out the scores from around the internet in a fun way before giving our scores and ending it out. So now that the ground rules are there, gentlemen, are you ready to jump into the 3FN Movie Club review of Meg 2? The Trench. Man, I got a story to tell. When a failed trip down to the bottom of the ocean, bursting through the trench, goes awry, multiple megalodons and other ancestral creatures come through. Will Jonah save the day 
Or will he get bitten in half? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I, I love how you were trying to like not ruin it. You're like, oh, let me dance around. I, I, I dig it. I give you credit for that. Of course, uh, the Meg 2, uh, the Trench. And I know it's just Meg 2, the Trench, but it's so hard to just say Meg 2, the Trench. But I've been doing decent at it. Uh, it was released this past, uh, th- technically Thursday, August the 3rd. But the official date is Friday, August the 4th, 2023, with a runtime of 116 minutes. The budget of this film was $129 million estimated, of course. It made $30 million domestically on its opening weekend. And guess what? It made $142 million worldwide. Uh, by the way, worldwide, it dethroned Barbie. It is the number one movie when you look at the global box office. Not in the United States, but in the box office. So that's kind of impressive. We'll give it credit. Obviously, uh, there's reasons for that, which we'll get to when we talk about uh, the movie. So with that being said, uh, a pretty big bucket of win. They made their money back once again. So I guess we are really going to get Meg 3. Uh, (laughs) Just throwing it out there. So now that we uh, have gotten the story, now time to find out who made this movie. Who made this movie? Of course, uh, this movie was directed by Ben Wheatley. Uh, Ben Wheatley's first major motion picture, Down Terrace, in 2009. He would also do Kill List, Sightseers, The ABCs of Death, and High Rise. So very smaller budgeted movies, nothing too flashy jumping out there. Uh, This is probably the biggest of all the movies he's done. Uh, screenplay. Uh, first of all, in the screenplay, we got to point out that this is based on a novel called The Trench by Steve Alton. And then the uh, writers of this film. First of all, is a pair of brothers, John and Eric Hober. And uh, their first movie was Montana back in 1998. They also were the writers for Red and Red 2, Battleship, the original Meg, My Spy, and Transformers Rise of the Beast. So we talked about this this year, and they wrote that. Also, it is to be noted that they are attached to the My Spy sequel that will be coming out either this up uh, the end of this year, beginning of next. I have a new movie to add to my top three. (laughs) Next up, uh, Dean Jurgarius and uh, Dean first movie: Laura Croft, Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life in 2003. Paycheck. The Manchurian Candidate, the remake with Denzel Washington. Uh, he also was the writer on The Meg. And uh, for Ron, you know, we don't usually talk TV. But Dean wrote two episodes of the new Quantum Leap. And I know how much you love that show. God damn, that show's so bad. <laughs> I, it was supposed to come back for another part of the season. I don't think they ever aired the episodes. Yeah, maybe they'll save that for if the strike continues on and uh, they don't have anything in this old Mother Hubbard situation. Uh, up next, director of photography was Harris uh, Zambarlowski. Uh, his first movie that he did as the DP on was Camera Obscura in 2000. Then he did Mamma Mia, Thor, the first Thor movie, Artemis Fowl, Death on the Nile, and he's attached to a movie coming out later this year that we've now seen posters and advertisements for, A Haunting in Venice, and he's also the director of photography for Beetlejuice 2. Okay. So that's going to be coming out in 2024 as of right now. So uh, he's got some big things in the work as well. Somebody needed a paycheck. <laughs> Next up, the composer is Harry Grayson Williams. Uh, Harry Grayson Williams' first movie that he composed was White Angel in 1994. He also Then he would do The Replacement Killers, Ants, Spy Kids. Then it was franchise work pretty much because he had the Shrek franchise. In between this, he did The Rundown, Man on Fire, Kingdom of Heaven, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, The Equalizer movies, so the franchise, The Martian, The Meg, The Mulan live action, and honestly, this one is really good, The Last Duel. So he's had some uh, mixed uh, stuff going on there as a composer, got to give him credit there. 
But now that we know who made the movie, it's time to find out who starred in it. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? So I'm only doing deep dives on the first two actors because uh, everybody mm -hmm. else is kind of either new or they are uh, Chinese actors that were brought in for this movie. And uh, one of them is actually a ma major Chinese uh, star. But uh, we'll get to that in a second because before we can talk about that, let's talk about the main star of this film. We all know and love him. Jason Statham is back as Jonas Taylor. Uh, of course, Jason Statham's first film, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels in 1998. He would then be in Snatch. He was in a movie that could have made our best of the worst movies. Ghosts of Mars. Not the sequels, but best worst movies. Yep. Uh, the Transporter franchise, the Crank franchise, the Fast and the Furious franchise, the Expendables franchise, and the Meg. <laughs> I thought that was easier than writing down each one that he was in. Yeah. And the name of the king. <laughs> well, yeah, there's no dude. There's there's a ton of other stuff I didn't put on there, but he has a lot of franchise work. Yeah, Jason yeah. Statham is the franchise man. Yes, he is. Uh, the only other one we're doing a deep dive on was Cliff Curtis, who plays Mac in this, and uh, he was in Desperate Measures in 1992, was his first major movie. Uh, Three Kings, Blow, where he played Pablo Escobar. By the way, he was also in Training Day, Sunshine, The Meg, Doctor Sleep, Reminiscence, and Avatar. Way of the water. By the way, Cliff is uh, going to reprise his role in Avatar for the foreseeable future, according to IMDb. Yes. So he's got a lot going on. And of course, as we know, Jason Statham coming up is going to be an Expendables 4. So uh, if you want to know about some of the what people are doing. So now let's jump into some of the other cast members. And uh, first up is Jing Wu, who plays Juming Zhang in this film. Uh, Jin is a huge star in China huge uh, he's been in uh, like a hundred titles but uh the most notable and uh, this is something a lot of people will know is he is one of the main stars of the wolf warrior movies he is the star of those movies okay and i don't know if you know anything about the wolf warrior movies uh they're huge in in china uh he's also been in like the wandering uh the wandering earth and uh a ton of other stuff he's a major major star in china next up you got shua sophia kai playing Ying, and of course she was in the original meg uh she's also been in uh, Mr. Corman and a bunch of other stuff. She's a young actress and uh, she's still trying to catch like uh, you know her big things. But hey, she's done great in these movies. Next up on the list, we got to give a big shout out to Paige Kennedy who plays DJ. He's one of my favorite people in this movie. Uh, you remember him from the SWAT, the movie. Yep. He was also in the original Meg movie, Freaky Deaky, and he's a big character actor. You see him in a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's why when you see his face, you're like, I know who that guy is. Next up, we have Sergio Paris Manchetta, who plays Montez, who is, I guess, one of the major villains in this film, right? I guess. You would think the Meg would be enough. But uh, you might have remembered him from Love Ranch, Resident Evil Afterlife, and uh, Rambo Last Blood. So he, at least he was in Rambo Last Blood. You know, give him a shout out there. Skylar Samuels plays Jess in this movie. Uh, I guess one of the villains of this movie? Yeah. Uh, so you could remember her from Scream Queens, American uh, Horror Stories, The Duff, The Gifted. Uh, she's done a bunch of other stuff, but uh, still make it up. Uh, next up, we have Melissati Mahut playing Regis. Uh, she has been in uh, Eurovision, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the video game as a voice. So a lot of voice work, a lot of video game work. Uh, next up is Whoopi Von Rahm, who played Curtis. Uh, she was the uh, pilot in the, uh, the the secondary in command, if you would, for our good friend Jonas. Uh, she was uh, in Counterpart, the Bulletproof TV show, uh, <laughs> FBI International. Like I said, not anything too gigantic. And uh, that's going to be kind of it. 
Uh, the only other shout out we got is for Macho, who plays the role of Pippin. By the way, it was not the same dog from the original. Oh. So I don't know what happened to the original dog, but it is still Pippin, so it's the same name. But the dog's name is Macho. By the way, thinking about the dog, that's the greatest name for that dog of all time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that they named the dog Macho. Now, with that, we are going to go to the thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs in the middle Spoiler-free recommendation. We're going to start with you, Ron. What is your spoiler-free recommendation for Meg 2, The Trench? I'll give it a thumbs up. If you saw the first one, you should see this one. It's in the same vein all the way around. So if you enjoyed it, okay. If you didn't, I still think you need to see this one. Diesel, what is your spoiler-free recommendation for Meg 2, The Trench? Two fins way, way down. Oh, <laughs> Diesel. You, it was fun enough. So the only fun you can have with this movie, in my <laughs> eyes, is if you're with a good group of people and you don't mind mystery science theatering the movie. If you're in a area whose movie theater does not appreciate joking around... Yeah, you can wait till it comes on streaming. <laughs> well, I think this is going to be a first in the history of this show. Because I think we all have different answers. Because mine literally is thumbs in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> if you like the first one, it doesn't hurt to go see this one. But you could just wait for it to be on streaming, in my opinion. If you didn't like the first one, or you don't like ridiculous movies, if you will. Because I know some people don't. Uh, this is not the movie for you. You probably shouldn't go see it. With that being said, I have some problems and reservations with oh, yeah. this movie as well. Uh, and we'll get to that in the spoiler full part because I don't want to spoil that for anybody. But yeah, so I guess, you know, Ron's at thumbs up. Diesel's at thumbs down. <laughs> I'm at thumbs in the middle. So literally, this is the first time that we've been at three different ones. Usually at least two of us agree. But at last, we're here. <laughs> So that's going to do it for the spoiler-free section. We are going to take our break. You're going to hear from one of our awesome podcast friends. And when we come back, we are going to jump into the spoiler-full review of Meg 2, colon, The Trench. What's up, nerds? Tyler Mack here from the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Bad Cast Company Productions. Now, you are currently tuned in to my favorite three fat nerds rich ron and diesel our nerd council brothers after you're done with this amazing show zoom on over to 30 and nerdy podcast wherever you cast your pod hit the subscribe button give us a rating and a review and check out 30 and nerdy podcast.com Cheers to you, nerds. Call me hell. They call me Stacy. They call me hell. They call me Jane. That's not my name. That's not my name. I just want to point out coming back from break that we've had a hell of a time trying to find the version of this that was in the Meg 2. Because there is a, a Chinese version of That's Not My Name, and we can't find it anywhere. And usually we don't come back to the music, so hopefully the ting-tings are okay <laughs> with us using a, a tiny clip of theirs. Because there was just terrible clips for this movie on YouTube as well. So we had to kind of call an audible there, folks. <laughs> and that's how we do podcasting here at the 3FM Podcast. But we are back here in the second half of the show to now give you the spoiler full review of Meg 2 The Trench. And uh, we're going to spell it out right here. As you have not seen Meg 2 The Trench and you do not want this movie spoiled, this is where you stop the podcast, you come back after you've seen it, and then you listen to what we thought about it. But 
if you don't care if this movie is spoiled A or you've already seen it, yeah, buckle in because you're about to get a ride right about... Now, and we're going to jump right into the spoiler full review. Of course, we don't go scene by scene in these movies. We usually kind of just hop around a little bit. We will give you the bone, bare bones outline of it while discussing it. And then we'll give us give you our likes and dislikes of Meg 2. Before jumping over to the game to find out what the rest of the internet thought about this movie. And then giving our scores. Gentlemen, are you ready for the spoiler full review of Meg 2? The Trench. <laughs> yeah, Diesel, we're, we're, Diesel's like, let's just do this quickly as possible and get out of here. Well, the, the bare bones stuff of it is going to be easier because I just not like. Yeah, there yeah. is a lot of like. I'm going to be honest with everybody just up front, and it's a dislike right up front. There is like the first two acts of this film. Now, mind you, there is a couple of fun things that do happen during them, but the first two acts of this film are just kind of like, why? Like, it's basically telling you this weird story that makes no credence on the rest yeah. of the movie. And when you get to the third act, where the ridiculous stuff that we all loved from the first movie is finally happening, yes. it's like you've gotten beat down for, like, an hour and some change of this runtime. Like, probably, like, the first hour and 10, 15 minutes, you could just throw out the window. Because <laughs> it doesn't, and none of it, like, there's plot armor and stuff, but none of it makes any sense. And here's when I, we're just going to do the nutshell here. Well, what do you mean? How are we supposed to know that Jonas, played by Jason Statham, is this badass eco-terrorist, essentially. Well, no, no, no. He's an eco, he's an eco-savior. He's like the Rambo, he's like the Rambo version of Captain Planet. Am I wrong? Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Eco-savior, eco-terrorist. I'm glad you started there, because we open this movie, and we get caught up with our friend Jason Statham, or Jonas, real fast, and he's on a boat that's throwing toxic sludge into the ocean. Which you would think, hey, maybe that's how we're getting Megs. Maybe right. that's how we're going to get break through the trench. Once again. No, right. No, it, no. Zero this reason. Is, this has no reason except for having an action scene in the beginning of the movie because then Jason Statham gets caught smuggling out the information that he needs. Of course, that leads to him beating the ever-loving shit out of a bunch of people on a boat, which is fine. I'm good with the action scene, which then leads him to jumping into the ocean and then a daring escape as he puts in uh, one of those little mouth breathers as he... Batman then style. gets then gets swallowed by the plane that his friends the Mac and uh, what's her name uh, Curtis are f- flying. It's not like we had a whole movie to learn that this guy was a badass. No, absolutely. Well, we are. Yeah, no, I know. I get it. I'm, I'm just. I'm giving you. I'm okay with the action scene, but it makes no sense. Yeah. So then we find. Then all of a sudden we're at a black tie affair where the president of this company and the owner of this company are making a big deal because they're doing all this oceanic work. And in the meantime, right before they go to this meeting, we find out that the owner of the company is also a scientist and he's built these uh, suits that can withstand pressure under like the, in the trench conditions so they can walk around in the trench and destroy things. And all this, it's weird. It's just a weird, uh, you know, conversation. and of course so, that would be Zhu Ming Zhang played by Jing Wu. And uh, yeah, then we have this whole meeting and during this, the only part of this is, is there for is a. We find out that they have a Meg in captivity. Yeah, which is ironic yeah. enough. Like you haven't seen the Jurassic Park movies or the Jaws movies to find out this is not a good idea. Life will find a way. <laughs> and uh, so, anyways, they have that. And the only other reason this is here for is that when Jonas is there, he recognizes, thinks he recognizes somebody who's at the party, which is one of the bad guys. And when you find out the whole story, it's like, why would you have this dude at the party? Yeah, no reason to have him there. Why? 
because it makes so much less sense if you just ran into him at the mining operation. So, so <laughs> let's just skip ahead because I can't, I can't do it with this movie. I have to skip. Basically, what ends up happening is that they make the dive. They're making an exploratory dive down to the trench. When they get down there, they only go into certain zones. Now we find out in a minute why this is, uh, you know, plot armor for this movie. But they only find certain zones. Well, as they're going down into the trench. Uh, they get chased down by a Meg, which just happens to be the one that was in captivity that escapes. And they go into the, so they go in and that Meg comes in as well. And we find out there's two other Megs there. So we have three Megalodons and they're in what, Diesel? It's mating season. (laughs) The Meg escaped captivity because, as we were told flat out, she's been acting weird this last week. Yes. Turns out she was in heat. Oh, yeah. So... She makes it back down to where she came from into the trench, and it's either a devil's triangle or the fucking angel triangle. We don't know, but some breeding occurs. Yes. <laughs> so, anyways, when we go do this, they follow them to the uncharted parts of the trench, which is gigantic from what we understand. So they follow them, so they and then they see the mating thing. Well, when they follow them, they also discover that there is an underwater structure down there. <laughs> a modern, not like an old one, a modern underwater structure. So we're gonna skip ahead because Jesus, this is long-winded. We end up finding out that they're mining rare metals using the owner of this company's company's stuff. Which he doesn't sell on the regular market, so how did they get that? And he's not a part of it. He is just as shocked as we are. Right. And I mean, we find this out a little later, because in the meantime, we end up with an explosion, and the the, the, the submarines get trapped. And Who would have thought billionaires and submarines could go wrong? <laughs> is this, this was definitely, I don't know when this movie was shot, so I don't know if it's life imitating art or art imitating life, but I'm going to assume it's art imitating life, or life imitating art. There was quite a few offhanded comments during the viewing during this point between me and Ron. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, they end up in these suits and they're walking around the trench and then we find out that like these little, these amphibious creatures from the beginning are living also in the trench, which usually amphibious creatures can't be that deep in water. So you've probably seen the trailers for this movie where we get the little bug getting eaten by the bigger bug, getting eaten by the lizard, getting eaten by the bigger lizard, getting eaten by the one thing and then the T-Rex comes out and these things scatter into the ocean. Well, apparently they made it down to the trench and they can live on land and breathe air or they can live underwater and breathe air. It doesn't matter because they'll come back. <laughs> also, we get the Kraken. There's a Kraken. So so anyways, when you're down there, we feel this and they come up through and there's some people who die and then they get into this place. And oh, in the meantime, there is some espionage going on on the mono one. Oh, so yes. because stuff was sabotaged. Okay, yeah. So when things get crashed and stuff, they are going to, to get the sa- the the rescue sub out. But we find out the rescue sub has been sabotaged, and then they're trying to figure out who sabotaged it. And the, the people trying to figure it out are Mac and DJ from the first film, and then this new character Jess. And then we find out, in the meantime, that Jess is working for the bad guys. So the president of this company that the owner's down there with is the main bad person. She's the one in charge, and she's the one doing all the stuff. And Jess is helping her on uh, Mana 1. And then down in the uh, part there, we have our our good friend that we were talking about, generic bad guy number one, uh, Montez. He's the one that's in charge of this underwater diving mining operation for precious metals. So... Now that we've found all this out while they're there, they're trying to kill 
uh, our heroes in this place, the ones that have survived. And of course, through shenanigans, including blowing out their his sinuses and swimming in pressurized water. <laughs> it's not the pressure. It's what it's the air in your sinuses. <laughs> He ends up being able to save the day, and they get away from the bad guy. But of course, the bad guy doesn't die. The bad guy has a has a more you know they get into pods. It's it's nuts. So we get back. They to- get into a pod. Bad guy Montez unattaches from what can only be explained as an underwater balloon and goes up the hard way. But that's how they use to bring the metals to the top. So that's what, you know, but not meant for a person necessarily. Yeah. So anyways, he survives somehow. And of course, now we have the cleanup crew on Mono One and we have DJ and and Mac trying to survive on it, which leads to some fun. There's some fun there. DJ's whooping ass. Yes, because DJ, between the first movie after he couldn't protect himself, has now taken all the classes to protect himself and he has a survival bag, we find out. So it's pretty interesting and then of course when when uh jonas makes it back to the ship things get a little uneven for the other guys so we end up off of the ship and finally going towards land oh wait wait, wait, wait. jess gets her untimely demise because <laughs> after saying how mono one is meg proof one of the megs co- just comes through the glass and just eats her and montez makes his way out yeah. we found out montez and jess are an item and then he's very upset about it. he's crying on the boat apparently when he's getting away <laughs> Uh, but no, th- that part's just ridiculous because it was in the trailer, anyways. I, I just, it, it just. Uh. So finally, so we get to what? Are, what do they call it? Adventure Island, or it was Party fun, Island? Party. Fun, fun Island. Fun, fun Island. island. Fun That's island. what it's called. So they get to Fun Island, and it's just this place where everybody's having a good time. It's think about it as Las Vegas on an island, right? You got all sorts of debauchery going on. Yes. And that is where the Megs go. That is where the Kraken goes. That is where the these, dinosaurs. These go. dinosaur creatures go. Amphibious dinosaurs creatures go. That's where our heroes are going. Not because they know any of those things are going there. They're just going there because they need to get to land, and it's the closest land. Yeah. So that's where we get the fun. Now this is where the stuff that I enjoy for the movie comes in. This is where the ridiculousness that we love from the original Meg movie comes in because this is where we get our heroes fighting dinosaur amphibians, the Kraken and the Megalodons. We get Jason Statham in all of his glory with explosives hooked to these makeshift spears on a jet ski just slaying Megalodons with jet ski (laughs) explosive spears. (laughs) That explode immediately on contact. Then we get some like improvised bomb that takes out a Kraken and we get these amphibious dinosaur things that are just wrecking house for the most part. Uh, Sometimes helping our heroes sometimes, not, not not helping them, but they help out accidentally no, yeah. and sometimes they're a hindrance but no matter what we get to the end of the movie happy ending yay everybody that's didn't all die the bad us. guys are dead and the two megs that came up from the trench are now dead and the kraken is now dead but our captive meg is still around and she she does not eat uh dr zhong uh and he that proves that his little clicky thing works and we forgot about the clicky thing but it doesn't matter like training a dog and uh, we also now assume that she's pregnant, and that's how we're going to get Meg 3. Just throwing that out there. So so from the first Meg, we had one Meg. Second Meg, we have three Megs, a Kraken, dinosaurs, and an angry guy with a gun. Yes. How can you even top that? <laughs> Anyways, that is our bare bones run through. I know we skipped a lot because we're going to talk about it in likes and dislikes, but... That is our run through because that's all I can muster. <laughs> if I went through scene by scene for this, I might go closer to diesel score. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. Uh, let's talk. Let's start with likes because we always start with likes. 
And I'm not even going to make the joke that it's in focus because there are some things I like. I do like the ridiculous things that happen. There is ridiculous things throughout this movie that are entertaining and fun that happen. There's some good jokes. Like I said, when DJ and Mac are surviving on the Mana One, when all these like mercenaries come, that's a lot of fun. Like you have a lot. Of, DJ is definitely like some comedy relief in this, and you know he's firing uh, poison-tipped <laughs> bullets at people, and uh, he makes it, his own poison. <laughs> he makes his own poison. He's just like, what happened to you? He's like, I was going to look like a bitch again. <laughs> like, like, wait, if you count the shots that he used. He only uses the seven. Yes. So, so he's uh, so. Anyways, there's a lot of fun there between them. I did like the action beats with Statham. Uh, without Statham, mm. there's nobody else that's really actiony. Right. So Statham had like the really some really good action scenes. If you if you go by an action movie, uh, outside you know. So I'm going to say those are my two biggest likes. Like I love the third act because it's ridiculous. That's what I loved about Meg. Yeah. The Meg was just a ridiculous concept, and yeah, there was some downtime that just gave you like the. Re- they didn't even give you like full backstories of people. Remember, they gave yeah. us a little bit, and we learned some stuff. And it was just like re- It was like taking the most ridiculous part of every shark movie ever, including like you know Deep Blue Sea and and everything, and just throwing it at the wall and going, oh, this is this is ridiculous like you you know that you know he's not going to defeat these giant megalodons but he does and you're just like okay who cares i know what i'm in for the ride i'm in for and so i enjoyed the third act because the third act was all that ridiculous stuff with a lot of comedy like they are our, our, our heroes all slapstick end up running into the same storage thing where people are held by the mercenaries and then they get out of there using the amphibious dinosaurs yeah and then like it's just like it's slapstick slapstick yeah. the phone's being dead is slapstick they side sub story where we have pip and the dog back and it looked like the same mom and daughter were back from the first movie where they were like oh no not again yeah and so like we have that fun thing and with the kraken it was kind of it was more of a slapstick thing with the kraken and grabbing people off the ground and throwing them around well it's, it's it so it was like a lot that was a lot of fun to me and that's what i liked most about this movie We'll go to uh, Ron next. Ron, you got any likes you would like to add about the Meg? Well, like you said, the, the the ridiculousness of it all is what you know why I liked it. When you get to that point, it was actually the more entertaining part. But it's the fact that they tried to make everything else before it by scientifically feasible when it's not. Like everybody would have died in the whole entire situation, regardless. Even if you did have the pressurized suits, like the depressurized, like they ran out of air before you could even get there. <laughs> so it's just, it's just what it is. All right, Diesel, I dare say, do you have any likes for this film? I, I do have a few likes. During the tense moment when, you know, they're they're running out of oxygen on the bottom of the trench, and they're <laughs> almost there to the door, and, you know, you, you, the human body can go, you know, a minute and a half easily without oxygen, just holding your breath. But as soon as that hits the zero level, oh, she was done. They get into the door, they're trying to get the airlock going, doesn't matter. Well, there was cracks in her helmet, and her, oh, head, that her head exploded. <laughs> well, that was a different one. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was fun, though. That was fun. <laughs> Some of the kills were pretty cool in this. I will say that. Some of the iconic-looking action scenes, like when he's on the Ski-Doo, and now, granted, in the trailer, I was like, there's there's no waves. How is he doing it? He rides the wake of another Meg to get up there to take his MacGyvered harpoon explosive shot. That did look pretty cool. I will say that. Um, the shark getting tangled up in chains while chains while it's going down the dock to get him. In the trailer, I didn't see the chain, so I'm just like, "How the fuck is Jonas kicking a shark from eating him?" Well, not realizing that it was chained down because of all the chains that are underwater holding that dock in place. I actually did think that was pretty cool looking. <laughs> At least I thought about that. The final Meg kill, as outlandish as it was, 
Jonas lifts up the downed helicopter blade, and in a shot straight out of anime, the Meg tries to come down and chomp on him, and he just anime swords it through its skull. <laughs> Severoth style. Could never happen. Look cool so cool. shit. <laughs> it still was cool. That's what I'm saying. It's ridiculous. I liked it. Some of the iconic like stances and like shots of like that stuff did look cool. You had to get rid of a lot, an exorbitant amount of um, doubt of things that could happen. But once you got to that place, it did look kind of cool. I'll give you that. So now we're going to go over to dislikes. Diesel, I'm just going to start with you. Yeah. Go ahead. List them off. Okay. So <laughs> he's been waiting for this moment, obviously. Uh, well, so coming out of this movie, it made me question, like, why the fuck am I even doing this? This was one of those movies that just took so much out of you where you're just like, I don't want to talk about this movie because it was two hours long where nothing happened and too much happened because they tried to throw everything at the script instead of having one Meg. Now we're, we, we got three Megs. We have dinosaurs. We have a Kraken. We have a crazed guy with a gun. You don't need all that. Yeah. Who's, you, who's now lovesick because his love died, so now he's trying to kill you in revenge for her. Yeah. So I think they tried way too hard to get a lot of things going. They tried to get a little preachy here and there with humans being the plunderers of the yeah. ocean. Which just knock that entirely out. Minor, but it stuck out in my head. The harpoon scenes, whoever was in charge of the continuity... Failed at their job because he starts with three, three, ends up with four, winds up with four after using one. So yes. it should be at two is at four. Then all of a sudden he's back down to just having the last shot. Yes. And you're just like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> yes. We saw there was a huge plot point of how each one has one. Yes. And he just takes them all and he's going to do this mission. And all of a sudden there's four, two, one. Yeah. It made no sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got you. I counted that too. Um, kind of a like and yet a dislike it's cool that they had a very inclusive and could do a partnership with the chinese media that was just a huge ass money grab because this is where it's making all this money is in china because well yeah most of this movie is actually well, probably a third of the movie is filmed in chinese yes yeah <laughs> for no plot points it's well, just, I mean, the trench is technically in. in I don't. I don't understand this. I thought the trench was the Marianas Trench was Japan. I thought that was the original one. Could be wrong, uh, but the, in this movie, it's in Chinese waters. Yeah, yeah. No, the trench yeah. is just the where they have the underground. The amount of scientific knowledge these people have based off of zero calculations. Because when they escape the trench, the one guy goes goes. Oh, they'll close within an hour. How the fuck could you possibly know this? Yeah. <laughs> you, we just had explosions and we had Megs coming through this shit. Yeah. It, it could be open for weeks. We could get Kaijudos coming through this shit. <laughs> yeah, it was just a point to just be like, oh, after an hour it'll be it'll be closed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, did any other Megs come through? Uh, maybe who knows uh, anything come through uh, maybe I don't think they saw though <laughs> what and then the whole plot of like the Meg escaping captivity because it's in heat it made no sense but it gave a reason well, but you could have just had them have new Megs come out the Meg and there could have just been like just still in captivity yeah the biggest problem is why is there any kind of like they there it escapes through something that's attached to the ocean to get fresh water in right so it's a why would it be that big why would you make it big enough that the yeah. fucking meg could swim through it 
Well, like, why wouldn't they be smaller ones that the Meg couldn't fit through? Like, I think that that's just basic building a zoo 101. Because oh, they didn't want to, like, CGI the uh, free willy scene, <laughs> even though they should have. <laughs> even the security protocols in Jaws 3 were better than this. But, like, the whole thing also with that is it's, like, there was no alarm system or anything. Oh, no, yeah. There was, like, oh, why, why why, are we getting whatever the Meg's name was? Hanoi, or I think. or whatever. Why are we getting a bleed from Hanoi? Is she out? <laughs> like, what? They're pretty much, yeah, they're just like, oh, she must have followed us. Yeah, there's like, there's no, like, reason, rhyme or reason why there's no alarms to that. So happened. you had the subplot with, you know, the doctor with the little clicky thing underwater. Training, that, training her like a dog. Thinking that, you know, they have a connection. You could at least just been like, hey, she's following that. Yeah. She's going to save the day because that's the one Meg that kind of lives. It kind of does help in a way. But no, she was just in heat. And the movie. She wanted some. She got some, but we end the movie with, you know, him trying to click, 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 and the whites are over the shark's eyes, and all of a sudden it finally kicks over and its eyes come back. It lost the horny and it became a good shark again. It was so dumb. <laughs> Listen, man. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, Ron, any dislikes that he didn't already touch upon? <laughs> Well, like you said, like I said earlier, just the the stuff that they tried to make scientifically work, but it doesn't work at all. Like, nothing works. I mean, they tried to do like underwater, which did this whole walking across the bottom of the ocean a lot better than this movie did. Yeah, like and it, it was actually that was actually entertaining through that. Um, but it's like it's just one of those things that just sits there and it's just like okay, you start off, we know what we're looking for, but like you don't get there until. Like you said, after the second act, you're like, oh, come on. Yeah, I'm just putting it out. Like, my biggest problem is, like, the the drag, the plot armor, the plot holes in the first two acts of this movie. Because it's just, like, it it never pays off. Like, so they're smuggling stuff up. You never get to read what we never even get told. It's just a precious metal. We don't really get told what it is. Yeah. Then on top of not getting told what it is, it's like this never explained how it really works and and why that nobody noticed that these experimental suits have come up missing. And obviously they had to build this whole thing under pressure on the bottom of the ocean. So this must have been going well, not even just the ocean on the bottom of this false bottom of the ocean. Because think about what we found on the first movies because of this one area. We thought that was the bottom, but no, there's another bottom. So now. Now they're all this way down. There's megalodons, krakens, these amphibious dinosaur things, and all sorts of other crazy shit down there, right? These giant eels that we saw too at one point in the movie. Yeah. And here, here we are down there, and they built this whole gigantic mining operation, and they've been making trips down and everything else with all this stuff that they obviously stole. This had to have taken years to accomplish. Yeah. And and it's like nobody knew, nobody figured out. Like, hey, why why did we? You know, we made ten suits, but we only got five. <laughs> But I don't think you understand. The minerals on the bottom of the ocean are worth billions. With a B. With a B. With a B. Billions. Billions. But I, my, my point of the matter is, is just like, it makes no sense. And then like Montez, who is a guy who, the reason why Statham recognized him because he was polluting the ocean at one point. Yeah. And he had stopped him and he got him thrown into prison. That's why he hates Jonas. And so now, like, we find that out. But all of a sudden, like, somebody tapped him and was like, hey, you know, you used to just throw chemicals in the ocean. How about you just uh, dive in these submergibles and build this place to mine the bottom of the ocean? But he was like, the right person to do it because he had no problem offing the other miners to blow up the billion dollar operation because Jonas was there. Yeah, which also blew a hole in the, the like, the eco layer there that sent the Megster. 
like the, the the problems are just abound that you're just like nobody thought this out like I agree with you when we came out of the theater you said this was like moonfall in the ocean because like nobody thought it like there's a bunch of stuff if they would have just like focused on this and just gone this way it would have been a better movie technically but it's just kind of like they were like all right well we don't have to think why this mining thing happens and how all of this has happened underneath people's noise noses especially because it's all this sensitive stuff and the fact that they built it outside of this zone that wasn't ever you know I, you know, uh, surveyed before, and eventually they're going to get to that spot to survey it. But you know, well, you know, by then, you know, we're going to make enough B or billions with a B to be okay. Like none of it makes a fucking sense. Right. Like, it just doesn't make sense, and it really doesn't come into play when shit hits the fan. Yeah, and then we're introduced to new characters, and one of them's you know, the mole. It would have been much better if like Mac was the mole or something like that, because at least there was a connection that we saw between them or DJ because we knew him from the last movie. To introduce a new character that nobody cares about to have her be that pivotal pot point. And then just die. <laughs> it made no sense. To be fair, there was a character from the original movie that did not come back for this movie who will remain nameless right now. There was probably the pick yeah. to be the mole. And then they had to give us a new actor. Yeah. I just, I'm throwing it out there. You know, everybody else can put it together. I'm not jumping into that whole nonsense. <laughs> My whole point of the matter is, though, it's just like, it, like you could tell this movie had three writers. Because it seems like the, the brothers wrote a script and then the other guy came in and was like changing shit and nobody talked to each other. Yeah. Nobody talked to each other. And, and that's how I'm, I'm assuming it happened or it was the other way around. He wrote it and then the brothers came in and wrote it. But they all wrote the Meg together. Yeah. I don't, but I, I think that it was one of them was the doctor and whoever was the doctor didn't was like, oh, yeah, I know you wrote this, but we need a plot hole for a plot armor here. So we're going to create this giant plot hole over there. It's just a really weird like it was never thought of. And once again. The first movie, the reason people who liked the movie liked it was the ridiculous action. It was a ridiculous premise. It was a fun movie. It wasn't a great movie. I know we always joke and say it's the biggest summer blockbuster of all time, but you know, obviously that's a joke. And it's it was a fun movie, though. And the fun happens in the third act. That's why I said it. The third act of this movie is what kind of wins me over because I'm like, oh, this is what the Meg was. And we didn't need the first two parts. No. <laughs> we just needed the whole movie to kind of, you could have literally, there's another one of those movies that this was almost two hours long. You could have cut 30 minutes off of this film and made it all like the third act pretty much. Kept that third act as the third act, and but just made the rest of the movie fun and ridiculous like that. And it would have been a way better fun watch and it would have gotten higher scores for me at least. I'm just throwing it out there. Like it, that's what really drives me nuts about yeah. this movie. Is it's just like it's just one series of plot hole after another series of plot hole. And it's like, so why? What was the fucking point? Just give me an entertaining film because yeah. that's all you were to begin with. Yeah, that's just my opinion. One man's opinion. Does anybody else have any likes or dislikes they would like to add before we move on? I just want to stop talking about this movie. <laughs> I, I can see that in your eyes. It's so fine. Let's go. Before we can give our scores, we have to find out what the scores were from around the internet. And you know how we like to do that. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game. Ron has been your defending champion for the last two weeks. Can he do it three weeks in a row, or will Diesel seize back the crown? I should, I should let make Diesel win this one on purpose. <laughs> Just so he thinks he's back in the delusion. Well, the game is simply played like this. It is, we're going to give scores from around the internet, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Google users, etc. And these gentlemen are going to try to get as close to the number without going over, better known as Price is Right Rules. Of course... The first person to three points wins. The last question, uh, however, Ken is just closest to the number because if we do the last question, it's usually because it's a tiebreaker. That can also be worth two points if the ball gets fumbled somewhere because we don't, you know, we can make up the rules as we go. So, uh, that's what I see. We want to have a winner here. 
So, gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? Yes. Yep. Diesel, you ready? All right, because Diesel, you get to go first. And, of course, it's IMDb out of 10 using points. What did they give Meg to the trench? Oh, no. 5.4. Diesel's going with a 5.4. Ron, what did they give it? We're going to need a bigger boat. Uh-oh. One. Oh, one dollar bob. So that means if it's anything under a 5.4, you said? 5.4. Ron gets the point. So I can tell you somebody got a point. And it was Diesel, 5.6 out of 10. So, Diesel, you're very close to that number. Next up. I moved to go 5.5. I didn't think it was higher. You should have done that. Yeah, I would have gone. Honestly, if I didn't know the answer, I would have gone lower, too. I'm being. I I would have said $1. I'm not joking. Uh, Next up, Ron, Metacritic. This is critic scores only, remember. Out of 100%, what did they give Meg 2? 38. Diesel. In my head, I'm thinking 36, so we're going to go with $1. 1%. <laughs> Once again, we're in that position where anything that's not a 38 is going to be going to Diesel, and anything above 38 goes to Ron, and Ron ties it up 40%. Okay. We're right on this thing, then. Whoever goes first is really sniffing the answer. All right, Diesel, your turn. Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Remember, this is the critic score from Rotten Tomatoes, so critics only. What did they give? Meg two, the trench. Oh, these the Rotten Tomatoes guys could get bought off. Forty seven percent. Ronald, one. They have no integrity. They get paid. So one dollar. You know, so it's got to be lower. So you said forty seven. Forty seven. So anything above forty seven <laughs> is Diesel. Anything under is Ron. And Ron gets the point twenty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's going to bring us to Ron for the win. And you go first here. Rotten Tomatoes fan score. Out of 100%, what did the Rotten Tomatoes fans give Meg to the trench? 52. Diesel. 53. Oh, 53. Damn it. To tie it up. (laughs) And it works 72%. What? 72% on Rotten Tomatoes fan score. So people found it entertaining. You dumb fucks. (laughs) Whoa. Calm it down over there. Now we're at the end. This is the tiebreaker. This is the closest to the number. Remember, because we don't do ties. Google users. Out of 100%, what did they give Meg to the trench? And Diesel, since you are the challenger, you have to go first. 83. Oh, fuck you. Ron. Brand new. Made 141 worldwide on its opening weekend. 82. Oh. Okay, so you said 83. Diesel said 83. So anything higher than an 83... Diesel wins. Anything 82 or below, Ron wins. Obviously, we do have a winner, folks, because we always do. Your winner and new champion. Was he right on or was he? Diesel, 89%. What the fuck? 89%. Dude, the movies these guys go high on and the movies they don't is fucking retarded. (laughs) It's so weird. 89% on the Google (laughs) users. Diesel, you have now... Been the re- now you're back to being champion. And no, no, I didn't just give it to him, people. Oh no, no, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> By the way, this, his name is Diesel. This this uh this went down. This was a good this was a good battle, folks. This is a good battle. All right, gentlemen. Now that we've given the internet scores, we've given the spoiler full review. There's only one thing left for us to do, and that is finally to give our scores. Yeah, well, you know that's just like uh, your opinion, man. 
All right, so of course we are going to first give the nerd score followed by my critic score, and the nerd score is based on the nerd scale. And the nerd scale and the nerd score are set up as recommendation scores. So that means we take our critic score mixed with an entertainment score, and that's how we give you our nerd score for recommendation. And basically, this means that if a movie's critically bad, but it's super entertaining, it can give it a higher score and vice versa. So with that, the nerd scale is as follows. It's only five parts and five parts only. There is no any, anything in between. It's gotta fit into one of the boxes. Of course, not a one is no. This means the movie is terrible. You should never waste your time and see it. A two is you've been warned. That means the movie's not quite terrible, but it's also not good. So you've been warned not to watch it. A three is, ah, it's good. This is like average to good movies. There are movies that like, when you see them, you're not going to probably ever watch them again, but you don't regret the time that you watched it. You know, but trust me, it's not going to make it on any list for you. Uh, four is just take my money. These are the very good to great films. These are movies where you can feel free to spend money on them at the theater, add them to your collection. You might even add them to your rotation and you definitely won't mind seeing it more than once in your life. And last but certainly not least is the rarefied nerd, nor as certified nerd in the five slot. And of course, there, these are the classics like Jaws, Jurassic Park. These are movies you're going to buy, you're going to see over and over again, you're going to add them to your rotation. These are the infamous classic great movies that everybody wants to achieve. With that being said, I can feel free in saying that none of us are going to give a five to the Meg, to <laughs> the Electric Eelaloo, or better known as the Trench. So, with that being said, Ronald, you're going to be up first. What is your nerd score for the Meg to the Trench and why? All right, I know I said it a thumbs up to see this, but you can just fast forward through the first hour or so of this movie <laughs> and watch the end and you'll be fine with it. So, I give it a three. It's good. It's good. Like, the ending part is just entertaining enough it's the new possibly new maximum overdrive depending how it goes on later in life and we if we rewatch it or not um it's like the ending like you said the ending the third act is what makes this movie what's so good about the first movie so like i said you can fast forward through the first crap of whatever it doesn't matter there's no real character developments anybody we care about other than the remaining characters that were from the first movie so, like, that's what it is. A three, that's the best I can do. All right, Diesel, your stage is all yours. What did you give Meg to the trench? In an ironic twist, I'm giving it the rarefied air of a one. Oh, hell no! It's no coincidence this movie is called The Trench. It is below the bottom of the bottom. My reference point for this movie was the movie Beast. Beast had a better story, worse action. This had better action, worse story. They are comparable. They are one. They are bullshit. You know what? I can see that. <laughs> can, can, can I throw this out there? Would you would you say that if you mix the two together, that it would be a great movie? <laughs> it took the best points of both. Bear versus Shark? Great band. <laughs> well, this would be Lion versus Lion Shark. Lion vs. Shark? Not as good as a band. <laughs> All right. Well... That leaves me. And uh, remember, we all gave it thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, and thumbs down for different reasons. And so, thinking about this movie, I disagree with Ron in this one aspect. This is not the new Maximum Overdrive, because Maximum Overdrive is is a is a just-take-my-money movie any day of the week. It is a terrible movie, but it is entertaining, and every time you watch it, you just get to go, cocaine was the reason this <laughs> is happening. And, and it's, it's wonderful and glorious. This movie, I cannot give that excuse for. I did say before that I, you know, this is a really one of those rough ones where I put my thumb in the middle because I'm like, I know that some people will go on to the higher part and some will go on to the lower part. And that's really where it weirded me out for my critic score. 
I don't regret seeing this film, and I'm never going to see it again. <laughs> I can tell you that much right now. And so it put me in a weird spot because technically going to see a movie you don't regret gives you a three. But at the same point in juncture, some three, like a three to me, it means there's a possibility I may actually watch it again. And this has not that. So I'm going to be honest, I'm giving it a two. Ooh, I've been warned. <laughs> and I give it a four out of ten. It's kind of almost right into the area where it's a blah movie. The third act is the only thing worth watching, in my opinion. That is the movie we were promised and we didn't get. And the problem is you have to wait like an hour and 10, hour and 15 to get there. And I just can't forgive that. And that's why I'll never see it again. Uh, and if I ever did watch it again, I would just watch the last half hour of the yeah. film and call it a day. And it's just it's just not a great movie. So I can understand why Diesel gave it a one. I can understand why Ron gave it a three. I just can never, I never see myself ever going again, going, hey, you know what I want to do? I want to recheck out the uh, Meg 2, the trench, because I think I was wrong about it. I don't think I was wrong about it. And I'm sure that there's other people who love this film and that's fine. And you know, as we say, we're not the end all be all, but we've all gotten somewhere different. You think about a one, two and a three. And so we're all at different things. And I'm at, a, to be fair, it is a high two. At a four out of ten and a two, it is a high two. I could have given it a three, and my only reasoning for not is it's like at a three, even though we say that you know it's something that you know you won't regret seeing, because I didn't really regret it. It's just that second line because usually I'm like, all right, in a few years from now, maybe I'll give it another try on most three movies and see if I was wrong or see if something changed. This is a movie that I guarantee <laughs> if somebody's like, hey, we're watching Meg Two: The Trench, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm out. I'll see you later. Have fun with that. Gone. Oh, you mean you guys aren't going to do the rewatch when Meg 3 comes out? Yeah, that's do, not happening. We, we just spend the whole day watching Meg 1, Meg 2? Come on. I, I'm going to I'm gonna be honest with you. When Meg 3 comes out, if we're still doing this podcast, <laughs> which probably we will be, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going, depending upon what comes out the week against it, I'm going to debate whether we continue this. Because <laughs> I'm going to be like, well, the last one didn't blow me away, and I'm really not impressed. And uh, I'm definitely not per impressed by Yapa Formans. So I'm going to just, I'll be playing that one by you. How about that? <laughs> just throwing that out there. So with that being said, if you would like to share your score for this, hit us up on the social medias. Remember, try to keep us spoiler free. If you must talk to us about spoilers included, go to the email address. Diesel, can you get it right this week? Three fat nerds pod at gmail.com. Very good. And of course, if you can't remember that, just go to 3fnpodcast.com. That's where all of our social media links, all of our information, T Public, Patreon, all that great stuff is. Also, there is a contact us button that takes us you right to the email. So if you want to email us, go ahead and do that. You can yell at us and tell us we missed the boat on this and uh, uh, Meg 2 is the greatest movie of all time. And you, or you can tell us that uh, one of us was right. Either way, I'm, I'm my opinion of this movie is pretty low. Uh, once again, I, I will say go watch it. The reason it was in the middle because go see for yourself and maybe you maybe some people will love it more. Ron obviously liked it more than us at least. I just the ending part was that's just fine enough. That's fine. With that being said though, Ronald, I do believe you have some business to take care of. Four out of ten stars. I don't get it. A book and movie series about children talking in pig Latin to magic sticks. I'm not really sure why the books slash movies were so popular. Four out of ten stars. Harry Potter just sucks, people. <laughs> That's a good four out of ten. It probably should be more like a three out of ten with that review. But that, that got me to chuckle at least. And I think we were to think we were all like the these guys don't know how to score movies because usually the four out of ten and they're like, well, I hated everything about it. The actors sucked. The books were better. The Universal Studios didn't have the ride I wanted. I couldn't drink butter beer. This is bullshit. 
That is literally the reviews you've been bringing out. Uh, With that, though, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the 3FN Podcast. We will be back next week with the 3FN Movie Club review of The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later, nerds. Later. I'd rather cuddle with that actual cocaine bear than watch that movie again. Harry Potter just sucks people. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah,